Faith. What is it? Being sure of our hope. Convinced of what we can't see. By faith, we understand the world was set in order at God's command. By faith, Abel offered God a greater sacrifice than Cain, and for his faith, God commended him as righteous. By faith, Noah trusted God and constructed an ark for the deliverance of his family. By faith, Abraham was willing to sacrifice Isaac, his only son, believing God would still fulfill his promises. By faith, Moses chose to be mistreated with the people of God rather than enjoy sin's fleeting pleasure. By faith, God's chosen nation crossed the Red Sea on dry ground and praised him as it swallowed up the Egyptians. By faith, Rahab the prostitute escaped destruction because she welcomed the spies in peace. Time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, David, and the prophets. By faith, they administered justice, shut the mouths of lions, quenched raging fire. But others were imprisoned, murdered, and wandered in deserts, mountains, and openings in the earth. We are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. So get rid of every weight, of every sin, and run. Run with endurance the race set before us. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. He is the champion and guide of our faith. For promised joy, he endured the cross, thought nothing of its shame, and having risen again, has been handed his deserved glory at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. Let's praise God for that. It is true, by faith we follow Christ. By faith, we live with the confident hope of eternal life through him. By faith, we will overcome the world. By faith, we have a hope that changes everything. Amen. Amen. It is my pleasure to welcome you here today to continue in this journey that is grounded in faith, to be a disciple and to make a disciple. I'm so thankful you've gathered here in person and we want to welcome you online. Guys, it is our call as followers of Christ to, to be one and to make one. Last week, Ben did an amazing job. If you were here, if you heard his message, let's just celebrate the fact that we have a young pastor just graduated Bible college who loves the word and who is able to communicate about his faith. Let's praise God for Ben. That's awesome. I love the practical tips he gave about sharing the good news, the gospel. Uh, the, the good news is clearly that Jesus was sent, lived a perfect life, sacrificed himself on the cross so that we could place our faith in him so their sins would be forgiven. And Ben gave us some great advice on to help how to share that good news. He said three basic things that really resonated with me that will help me share my faith with others. He said this, ask their story. When you ask someone's story, you hear where they're at. You take time to listen to what's going on in their life. And then we need to be ready to share our story, to share your story specifically. We need to be ready to be real about what's going on in our life People do not want to hear just the Sunday school answers that everything is always perfect in Christian life. We need to be ready to connect with their issues and, and share with how God is 
changed our lives, to be real about that. And there's a point in each of these stories where we reveal God's story. To be bold about the good news that God loved us enough to send his son to be our savior, that he would die so that we could live. You can do that. You can ask a story, you can share yours, and you can reveal God's. Sometimes that takes a lifetime. Sometimes it can take a decade. It can also be done in just a matter of minutes. Uh, This past weekend, I was thinking about what Ben was going to preach. We had uh, gone over it before I left for a mini vacation. And I was thinking about this. This idea to ask their story, share your story, and then reveal God's story. It's like uh, uh, It's been a part of my uh, method of sharing the gospel in the past. But our family went to, uh, right before Sunday, our family went to Holiday World. How many of you have ever been to Holiday World? In Santa Claus, Indiana. I, I grew up, that was, uh, it was called uh, just Santa Claus Land, and they've changed it to Holiday World. They've added the Holiday World to make different regions of the park. My ability to ask someone their story and to share mine and reveal God's happened in the Thanksgiving area of Holiday World. It was on actually the Turkey Whirl. Anybody ever been on the Turkey Whirl? Okay. It's a very similar ride to what you'll have at most uh, like festivals or carnivals. It's basically just a whirl ride where the outside bigger circle spins and then you're on a platform that spins and then your turkey spins. There's a lot of spinning going on in this ride. But as we waited in line... Daly and I um, were waiting to get on our turkey, and there was a guy right next to us in line. He had a son about Daly's age, so we started talking, and I asked him a story. I said, hey, where are you from? Uh, what, what do you do? He says, we're from just um, northeast of Granite City. And I said, well, I know where that's at. I live in Greenville. I said, what do you do? He was a grain farmer, and he also raised cattle. And he said, hey, I'm in Greenville every week, I think on Wednesday. He goes to the, the stockyard, um, and he... Uh, buys and probably sells cattle. He says, I'm in Greenville almost every week. I said, I know exactly where it's at. I've been there before. My boys uh, sometimes go there with the farmers they work for. Uh, it's, a, it's a very happening place. And, and I said, if you were ever being Greenville, stop by. And then at that point, it was time to get on the ride. I thought, man, I'll never see this guy again. Well, you, we get on the ride. They kind of place you where you're going to be. And your turkey kind of spins and it adjusts to where the ride stops. Just so happened to be by the time my turkey stopped, I was face-to-face with this guy from Granite City. So I continued the conversation. And he asked me, I said, so what brought you to Greenville? And I, and I told him that God had called us here, and I was a pastor at Greenville First Christian Church. And, and then the ride takes off, and I thought, okay, that's the end. After the ride, you know, if I was a, a real evangelist, I would have kept the conversation going while we were spinning. But, you know, I I just held on to daily during that time. But after the ride was over, he came and said, well, you know what led you to Greenville? And I told him, hey, you know, I never planned to to really live in Greenville, never planned to to spend my uh, adult life in Illinois for that matter. But God led me here. And by faith, I'm the pastor of Greenville First Christian Church. He had a few more questions. And I went on to tell him that, that the things that don't make sense of this world is whenever God does the biggest things in my life. And he was kind of interested in that. But then our families merged on us and, and we parted company. I think there's a chance that I will see that gentleman again and we'll be able to continue that conversation of faith. Amen. In just a few moments, though, I was able to listen to his story, share my story, and tell him that I am following Christ by faith. And you can do the same. It may take a decade or it may take just a moment in an amusement park. But God is calling us to share our faith, to share the good news about Jesus. Paul makes it clear there's going to be a point in time where we declare that we live by Christ. Here, here's the way, the way Paul puts it in Galatians chapter 2. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. 
The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. He says, I live for Jesus who loved me and gave himself up for me. That is Paul's testimony. That is my testimony. And that can be yours. We don't have to use exact words that that Paul uses here to the church in Galatia. But we have to at some point get to the point where we're not just knowing God is real. We're living by faith through him. Because he died for us to save us. Today I want to give you continued strength to share your faith. Because faith is the core of being a disciple and making a disciple. God's word makes it clear the importance of faith. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says, we are saved through faith in Jesus. There's no other way to be saved. In in Romans chapter 5, it says, we are justified by faith. Acts chapter 3 says, miracles happen in the name of Jesus by faith. 2 Corinthians says we walk by faith. Romans 1 encourages us what's happening right now. We are mutually encouraged by faith. Uh, just today, there was a, a woman who, who's gotten terrible news in the last week, one after another, and she said, it was so important for me to be here today because I need encouraged by my brothers and sisters. I pray that the worship time has encouraged you this morning, that the word will encourage you, and, and a reminder that God gave his son during communion will encourage you. Uh, that happens by faith. 1 Timothy 4 says this, in the end times, many will abandon the faith. Statistics say that. I I would guess you would see that around you. Statistics tell us that over the last decade, uh, our our nation has went uh, from confessing Christ as their Savior to be connected to him uh, down 10% of just a decade ago. We are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation by faith. 1 John 5 says... We have victory over the world by faith. Faith is is essential for us in our uh, following of Jesus. It's it's fundamental. But what is faith? We talk about it often. It's a word that's tossed around, but I think often misunderstood. Jesus says in in Scripture that we need to have a childlike faith. Uh, Jesus is making it clear that the faith of a child... It's right on target with what the kingdom of God is looking for. A faith that trusts, a faith that that doesn't uh, look around for every angle. And yet adults often complicate the matter of faith. If we make it something that is just about what we know and believe, we miss the amazing part of it that stretches us to trust him to what we cannot see. Both are faith. If we make it just something we wish for uh, that might happen someday, we're missing the part that we can have peace and, and purpose in right now in the present. It's, it's a balance of, of hoping and a balance of knowing and being confident. Sometimes we confuse the issue, though. We confuse words. If we aren't careful, we confuse words and we confuse others. I saw it this week at camp. Uh, Joanne already shared with you that we went to camp this week for First Chance Camp. And it was amazing. Uh, Little did you know, the worship set today was inspired by camp. And uh, we have video footage of this. And we were looking for future uh, faculty members next year. So if you were into worship this morning, we're calling you for camp next year. It's awesome. It was great. Uh, One thing I really want to celebrate, though, in all honesty, not only were there people like Joanne there and people like myself who are parents and, and pastors, what really made camp amazing to come alongside the campers 
were our young people, our teenagers and young adults who poured in the life of those kids. Um, they will listen to a preacher. They'll listen to a parent in our 40s and 50s. But you know what those, those second, third grade, and fourth grade campers love to see? Is teenage young men and young women speaking their faith about Jesus. And I want to celebrate our young people and how they serve this week at camp. Let's praise God for them. They did a great job. One of the campers' favorite things, especially for First Chance Camp, is getting a time where they, uh, twice a day, if we have a full day, they can go and buy their favorite snack or candy or candy bar and a, a, a soft drink or a Gatorade or something. They can also get ice cream. They get to choose one thing to eat and one thing to drink. Man, it's a big deal. They walk up in line. If you've ever been at camp, what do we call that place where the kids can go to buy a snack? Anybody know? Canteen. Here's a picture of the canteen at camp. It's one of the favorite spots. Well, on Monday night, we were getting ready to go to our first worship time. And I realized some of these campers have never been to a worship service. They've never been to church. So I, I just explained to them early in the week, here's what we're going to do in this chapel. We're going we're to uh, study God's word. We're going to sing uh, some praise songs. You're going to hear some teaching about Jesus. And we need to really uh, focus on that. And so we were kind of laying the groundwork what one Monday night would bring. And I said, and after worship time is over... We're going to get to go to the canteen. You're going to be able to uh, select a snack and a drink. And, man, they got excited, you know. It was like, let's focus on this. That first night, Ben did a great job. He was preaching about David. And Tiffany had the place fired up with worship. We sang some great worship songs. They were active. But when it was all over, I was holding the door open for one of the campers as they left, the campers. And this little girl said, man, I have been waiting all day. I, I cannot wait. One of my favorite parts of camp is the quarantine. And then another one of her friends says, yes, I'm hungry. I can't wait for quarantine. <laughs> Boy, we can confuse things really quickly. We need to confess that at times I think we can misunderstand the word of faith and we can confuse others. So what is faith? I hope you're not so far off that you're comparing uh, uh, faith to, to things that are totally different, like uh, quarantine versus canteen. But I would guess if I were to ask 10 people uh, this week, hey, give me the definition of, of faith, and then we're going to play it back during the, 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 the worship time together, we'd have probably got 10 very different answers. So what's the definition of faith? If someone asked you, Tyson or whoever you are, they'd be like, how would you define faith? My, my uh, seeking of God is stuck on this idea that I don't understand faith at all. What would you tell them? We need to go to God for the definition instead of making up our own. Open your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 11. If you've got a Bible, it'll be on the screen in just a moment as well. But Hebrews chapter 11, this whole chapter is labeled in, in the NIV that I'm holding. It's called by faith. Uh, other people uh, have labeled this chapter the Hall of Faith instead of the Hall of Fame. And, and, and the Hebrews writer here not only defines faith, but gives us great examples of how faith looks when it's lived out. Here's how he defines faith, led by the Holy Spirit in God's Word in Hebrews chapter, one, verse, chapter 11, verse 1. He says, Now faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. So the, the Hebrews writer uh, uses two phrases to describe faith. It's being sure of what you hope for, being certain. Our hope is not wishful thinking. It, it knows. It's, it's grounded in truth. And hope is also being certain of what you do not see. When you can't see God, when you can't 
be encouraged by Jesus in the flesh, you still know he is very and absolutely real. Faith is not wishful thinking. It is being confident and trusting in God no matter what. We all exercise a level of faith at times. Not spiritual faith. We, we have faith in, in things that really don't deserve our faith, but we do it. Uh, probably most of you this morning already have, have exercised faith in your refrigerator. You took something out of it that needed refrigerator to kept cold or frozen in your freezer. You brought it out, and before you left, you probably put it back in. You place faith in that appliance, even though you don't know completely how it works, most of us. But, but we trust that. When you grab a water bottle... You have faith that that water bottle has in it what it says on it. And you consume that, trusting that it's water, that it's pure. When you're driving and you go up over a crest of a hill, we do this all the time. We have faith that as we come over that hill, that our lane will be clear. This week I was thinking about this. And from Millersburg Road to where I live, just off of Dahl's Orchard, there's a lot of ups and downs. And, and it is a matter of faith. We're going up and down this road that nothing will be there. We put faith in the United States Postal Service. As you label an address, a piece of mail, and you put it in the mail, you, you trust that the Postal Service will get it there. Those are examples of worldly faith. But the biblical writer here says that our faith in Christ can be much more confident, much more complete than that. It's not wishful thinking. It's not just hoping it'll happen. It's knowing. Faith allows us to be confident of the future in Christ. And what is invisible is real. Why is it so important? Because there are days when there's no physical evidence, when you're being tested, that God is real and you still have to put your faith in him. It's essential Here's what the Hebrews writer says in verse 6 of chapter 11. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. The word of God tells us that, that this true faith, this spiritual faith, is an essential part of our discipleship, of our following Jesus. It says it is impossible to please God without it. It is not enough just to believe. It's not even just enough to know. We at times must take steps of faith that show we trust in him when it's beyond what we can see. Years ago at camp, I think a youth pastor told me that faith is not only believing and knowing, but it's trusting God with all that you are. This week at camp, I was doing a class on looking to Jesus for salvation. We got to the point of this reality that that we must believe and trust him. And what's the difference between knowing and, and really trusting? Well, what's this faith factor? And so I had the, in each class, I had a, a camper stand up on a stool about four foot tall. And they were always, they were comfortable, uncomfortable with this already because adults are watching. Can I really stand on this piece of furniture? And yeah, or stand up here. And I had their leaders from the team get behind them. And you've seen this before. We were illustrating a, a trust fall. And I told the students, I said, now look directly ahead at the rest of your campers, but your leaders are going to be behind you, and they're not going anywhere. And they made promises, hey, we're not moving. And I said, do you believe they're back there behind you? And they, yeah, we believe. I said, do you know they're there? They're like, yeah. Uh, I even let the, the faculties touch them on their back and speak to them. They could hear their voice. So I said, but don't look. And in the count of three, I want you to cross your arms, close your eyes, and fall backwards, completely trusting that they can, they can hold you. 
more times than not, while they fully believe and know that those adults are behind them, the campers struggle to trust because we want, we want to see it. We, we want to be able to, to physically know that we're going to be safe. In much the same way and more, God is saying, I, I know that you believe me. I know that, that you know I'm real. You have it in your mind and your heart. Now I would like you to trust me. And take a step of faith in obedience and, and do the things I've asked. See, we put our faith in a lot of things and they'll let us down. But I want you to know our faith in God can never be let down because he is greater than anything else. Uh, the, our faith in something cannot be greater than the value of the object of the faith. And when we put the, uh, our faith in God, the object of our faith, uh, God is perfect. He is, uh, can do anything and everything, so our faith can, is completely secure. Think about those other examples that I shared that we put our faith in. They will often let us down. For example, if you have been a homeowner for more than 10 years, you know a refrigerator is likely at some point to let you down or freezer. And what you put in there will not remain fresh or frozen or even cold. You can think about this. You, you take a, a drink of water out of this and you think, hey, this is pure water. And the reality is probably from a tap in Chicagoland. You know, how pure is that? It's good. It may not be exactly what you think. Or you're traveling over the hills, and more times than not, if it's in Bond County, there's going to be a deer that pops, when you pop over the hill, will be there or something in your way. Uh, coming on my road, I've had to watch out for uh, these new uh, things that can be there. They're my boys. They'll be traveling on the same road, and it's a little nervous at times. Or you trust in the United States Postal Service. You put a letter in the mail and understand that it'll get there, sometimes the postal service will let you down. My son Dawson learned that this week. He had to put a thing in the mail for a, a, a violation that he received from the state officer in the state of Illinois, and it never reached its destination. So now he's got to appear in court. The United States Postal Service can let you down. But here's the reality God never does. Our faith in him is secure and complete. He not only exists, he seeks us through Jesus Christ. And the Bible says he looks to reward those who earnestly seek him. So one thing I want to do, whether you're watching online or you're here, God is looking to reward you as you seek him. So I pray that you're not just going through the motions day. If you're trying to seek him, if you're trying to grow your faith, he will look to reward you and bless you. That's, that's a great promise. Amen. There's a great blessing from when we seek him, not only together, but from him individually. You might be thinking, though, Tyson, I'm seeking him, and I believe, I know he's real. But if I, were, if I were honest, I do have trouble trusting him. Join the club. At times, it is difficult to trust what we cannot really see, what is beyond our knowledge. But here's what James says, the brother of Jesus, guided by the Holy Spirit. He says, you believe there's one God? You know that? Good. James gets a little sarcastic if you read between the lines here. He's saying, okay, you believe in God? He goes, the demons believe and they shudder with fear. James is making a very clear point here. It's not enough just to know that God is real. The demons knew that. They were in heaven with God. They were, they were angels at one point. They, they trusted in their own ability, even more the gods. They tried to overthrow God from his position with Satan, and they were thrown out of heaven. Let me be clear with you. The demons know God is real, but that's not enough to save them. If you're here today and you're like, I know God's real, but I'm having trouble trusting him. Guys, I would, I would ask you to pray that you would not only believe, that you would have faith. It's not enough to believe. Our faith 
must be lived out. It must be seen with action, with deeds, with steps of faith that leads to courage. James goes on to say this in verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds, no actions? Can such a faith save them? James is making the case here, if your faith has no actions, if your knowledge about God produces no fruit, then you really have no relationship. You're not trusting him at all. There comes a point when knowledge and belief leads to steps of faith that are uncomfortable often. But when we take steps of faith in obedience to God, amazing things happen. A lot of you, I would suspect for some reason or another, something in your life where God's challenging you to do, you got your toes right at the edge, and they've been there a long time. And the question is, are you going to obey and step out in faith like God is asking you to? It's not just Hollywood that gives us a great model. Uh, the, the 11th chapter of Hebrews is full of people that are not fictional characters like Indiana Jones, but they're real men and women of God who from the edge stepped out in faith and God did amazing things and, and we're to look at their lives. Who, who, who displayed faith? I think it's easy to see, easier to see a display than a definition. So let's look at this. In Hebrews chapter 11, we saw the opening video, people like Abel and Enoch Noah, Abram, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, the parents of Moses, Moses himself, the people of Israel, and this prostitute named Rahab all stepped out in faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, we see the incredible things that God does through their acts of faith. And we can learn from them. Today I want to look at just three examples from this list that I think we can relate to. And people that you're talking about faith can also relate to. The first one is Moses. Let's look to what the story of the text says in Hebrews 11, starting with verse 24. The word of God tells us about Moses. It says this, By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of of Christ as greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward by faith he left Egypt not fearing the king's anger he persevered because he saw him who was invisible by faith he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel by faith Moses did one thing after another that was uncomfortable that stretched him that that led him away from the the pleasures of this world Man, I can relate to that. I'm sure you can as well. Because often when we step out in faith, it makes us to be an outcast. It makes us to walk away from opportunities of this world, from power, from money, from pleasure, from the admiration of the world. But when it looked hopeless, he had just led, led these millions of people out of Egypt and, and, and God had paved the way for that. But when it looked hopeless because the Red Sea was in front of him and the army of Pharaoh, the Egyptian army, was right behind, it looked like there was no hope, there was no way out. But then look what the next verse of Hebrews 11 says. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. 
Can you imagine the amount of faith it took uh, to have the, the, the army behind you and the sea in front and then to have the walls of the Red Sea, uh, I, I think, uh, just tremendously tall? You probably couldn't even sit over them at all. You could just see the sky above the water to begin to pass through on dry ground. By faith, the entire people went through there, and in faith, they were saved. And then when Moses passed through, and the water fell down, and it completely destroyed the Egyptian army. God does amazing things when we're obedient to faith. You might think, well, that's easy for Moses. He was a man of God. Most certainly he was, but he wasn't perfect. I think, in fact, in in spite of being imperfect, that's where his faith really came in. If you know his story, Moses killed an Egyptian in anger and buried him in a shallow grave just to cover it up. Uh, in, in, in all honesty, when Moses was first approached by God, Moses said, no, I can't lead your people. I can't even speak. You're going to have to find somebody else. He tried to walk away from the ability to, to be God's leader because of his own doubts. Here's what you need to understand that even though Moses had shortcomings of ability and great sin, God used him as he was obedient in faith. I think about the shortcomings. I wonder, I wonder what plagues you that maybe no one else knows. Something that you're afraid of because you don't think you're adequately equipped. Or maybe something that you did in the past that thinks holds you back. There is nothing that will hold you back from being used by God if you'll step out in faith. Nothing. So you may talk to someone that's very much stuck in this. They'll say, well, what about this? Point him to Moses. Oh, what about my shortcoming? Uh, point them to your own life and, and to Moses. And God can do anything to those who are faithful. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30, the next verse says this. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. If you study the story of the battle of Jericho and the book of Joshua, if you are a military person at all, this makes no sense at all. The, 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 the walls of Jericho were, were extremely tall. They were extremely thick. And the, the army of the Israelites was relatively weak compared to the, the people of Jericho. And their probably best attempt militarily would be kind of do an ambush at night. So what does God tell them to do? He says, go ahead and show yourself and walk around the city uh, for six straight days. And then on the seventh day, uh, do that seven times. At the end of this, they're going to know you're there. They're going to be watching. But I'm going to do something. And they shouted and the walls began to crumble. And God's people, even though it made no sense of this world, were able to do amazing things. I wonder what God's asked you to do that makes no sense. Will you be faithful? What does God ask you to do with your, with your kind of toes to the edge of this big opportunity? And you're like, man, I think I'm going to step back away from that. I can't see that happening. I want you to know that when we're obedient, God can work in an amazing ways if we just be faithful. What is God calling you to do today that you're tempted to walk away from because it's too risky? Trust in him, place your faith in him. There's one more example that I think many of us can relate to, especially your friends that, that would never consider themselves a, even able to go to church. You know, the people that be like, man, if I came to church, the, the, the walls would cave in. I've just been too rotten for God to ever really accept me. Maybe they need to hear about Rahab. Let me tell you a story from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31. It says this. 
by faith the prostitute Rahab. I love the Bible's honest and real. I think when we listen to people's story, we need to be real about our story. The Bible's real about Rahab. She was a prostitute. She got through life because of her her body. She, She was willing to give of herself to get what she wanted, no matter the cost. It says, because she welcomed the spies, she was not killed with those who were disobedient. The contrast is, because of her obedience, she was saved, but those who were disobedient were killed. Her story is seen completely in Joshua. But she's also mentioned in the book of James. One of the most amazing things about just the facts of Rahab's testimony in the word, she is seen in Joshua, James, and Hebrews. You talk about an amazing testimony. There there are uh, tremendously righteous people who are only mentioned once, yet this woman uh, of the night, this woman who sold herself, is mentioned three times because of her faithfulness to God. In faith, she protected God's spies and helped them evade uh, the the army of Jericho. She uh, used a red rope uh, outside of her window to help the the, uh, spies um, be released and be safe. She persuaded her relatives to trust her and to trust God. In their obedience, they were saved when everyone else was put to death because she responded by faith. All of these examples that we look at today, including Rahab, Moses, and the people of of God, made no sense to the world, and yet they said, we want to be faithful. Faith is so much more than knowing God is real. Faithful is following him when it's really hard to live. I wonder where you're at today. After first service, I mentioned to you, I talked to a woman who has faced death recently, and she's faced a bad health diagnosis. She feels like nothing in this world makes sense, but she made a commitment here today to continue to be faithful to God. I wonder if you don't need to do the very same thing. The Hebrew writer goes on to share about many other faithful examples. If if you read the rest of the chapter, you you see him name many, many more. And then he says uh, says that maybe there's even more that could be named, but I don't even have time to mess with it. Then the writer says this. There are people that have been faithful but have no victory on earth. There are people that are faithful that have no uh, fruit of their faithfulness while they're alive. And yet... God rewards them eternally in heaven. So what does it mean for us today? So what now? Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, what he's saying is, since there's been so many people from our past that have been faithful, you be faithful. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. And he set down the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that we will not grow weary or and lose heart. Here's where the rubber meets the road today. Don't lose heart. Don't grow weary. One of the ways to not grow weary is be in the word. One of the days to not grow weary is be encouraged by other brothers and sisters in Christ. One of the ways to not grow weary is say, God, I need your help and I will obey wherever you lead me. And there will be a moment where we follow the example of these great witnesses ahead of us and he will be with us and provide. How can you live this out? 
How can we live out faith? I think there'll be three things that we, at least we do. We will believe what others don't believe. We live in a world where many people are walking away from faith. One of the great things that we still need to do is believe what others won't believe. To believe, for, for example, that the word of God is true. Amen? There will be times when the word of God doesn't make sense compared to what the world is saying. But the word of God is trustworthy and it's, a, it's appropriate for every way of life. That's why it's so important for kids to go to camp when they're young and to have truth poured into them. It's why VBS is, is so valuable. It's not just for the kids to have fun. Uh, five days of VBS, they're going to have five core truths of the Bible put in their mind and their heart. If you have a young person, make sure they're at VBS. It's vacation Bible school. It, it's, it's about trusting God's word. That's why we need to be studying God's word in our homes and, and here at church. Because we're going to believe what others don't believe. We're also going to see what others don't see. You may not see it with your eyes, but you can see it by the testimony of people's lives. You can see it by what God does around you and what you feel in your heart. But there is a time when we as Christians definitely see things the world doesn't see. It's the Holy Spirit guiding us and directing us. You may need to say, God, give me the eyes to see what you're doing because I can't see it now, but I know you can help me see it. And finally, we're going to do what others don't do. There's going to be a time where you take a step of faith that no one else would. And in that moment, a miracle happens. By the power of Jesus in your life, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what faith looks like. To be ready to move and be, be obedient and have bold moves for his sake. You need to know this. That as your pastor... There are times when my toes are at the edge and I don't really know what to do. And if God asks me to move and I move, things happen better than I could ever do on my own. This past year and a half, there have been times when we literally did not know which move to make. But as we follow God and are faithful to him, he's faithful to us. Amen? Amen? You need to know that the greatest leaders in the word of God and still today, there will be times when the only way we're making it is because Christ is in us. It's not by our own power. It's not by our own wisdom. It is by God working in us. And that's why he wants to work in you. Each and every one of you. I love what Hudson Taylor says. He's a missionary to China, or was. When the world was just starting to open up and we could travel to China and, and begin to, to do gospel work there and, and share our faith, here's what he said, and it seemed almost impossible. He says there are three stages to every great work of God. First, it is impossible. Then it is difficult. Then it's done. What seems impossible at times, and God tells us to do it, we still need to move. And then I, I want to share this with you. I totally agree. It will not be easy. 99.9% .9 of the time when we move for God, it is not easy. But it will be done because he is faithful. When the Lord calls us to respond with bold moves in this dark world, he will honor you as his follower. Hebrews 10, right before the chapter we studied today, says this. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. The hope that we profess changes everything in Christ. For he who promised is faithful. We can be faithful because God is faithful. Today, I would ask you to consider this. Where are your toes at? Have they stepped out in the journey with Christ? Or are you still at the edge saying, God, I know you're real, but 
no, I've never confessed you as my Lord. And that means you've never said it with your mouth. You may need to take that step. Some of you have said, well, I believe and I've said that he's my Savior, but I've never taken the step to be baptized. I know for many of you that's a difficult step, but it needs to be done. In baptism, we share with Christ in his death, and we share with him in his, his resurrection. And if you've never been united with him in his death, you will not live. Have you taken that step? What's interesting, that's just the beginning of the journey. The steps after that continue until he calls us home. Maybe you've been a Christian your entire life, but you have gotten really comfortable lately. You're like, man, I would never go to camp. I'd never help a VBS. I'm just thankful we can come to church. I don't think you have to go to camp. I don't think you have to go to VBS. But you need to be taking steps that show you are following him. To be a disciple and to make one. Today, would you stand with me? If you have a decision to make, we'd love to talk with you about that. Maybe it is to be baptized. Maybe it is that you just need to confess Jesus as your Savior. You need to say, Jesus is my Lord and King. Maybe today you need to commit to take another step to to be active for him. Whatever it is, we'd, we'd love to pray with you about that. Father in heaven, I thank you for today. I thank you for this hall of faith from your word that gives us great models. So much greater than Indiana Jones, these, these men and women that, that had baggage, they had sin, they had shortcomings, and yet you used them because they were bold and obedient. Father, let us be a church like that. Let us be followers of you like that, to share our faith with others. In Jesus' name, amen.